welcome to the Hope Plotline. I am so glad you're here with me today. Uh, look, 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 look. I can. Can they hear that really bad? Okay, I probably shouldn't have done that. But it's way better than it was when it sat here on the table. So I can, like, outside of thumping that microphone, which I'm not going to do, um, I pretty much can do anything on this desk now. I'm back to being able to tap my fingers like I like to do, move around like my watch. Heather, are you laughing at me over there? Oh, no, she's not. I thought Heather was had her head down like, oh, dear God, what is she doing? thought she was laughing at me. She's not. She's working. Um, but seriously, I kissed this thing. I'm very happy about it. Um, so here's the thing. This right here is going to be, hopefully it's going to be rose gold with sparkles. Um, Heather's working that out for me because I want it to look like my microphone. Make that happen. She's working on it. I want that to look like that. It'll be super pretty. So this is good. I'm looking at my screen up there, making sure I'm hitting it right. This is good. I'm really excited. And your ears will be excited too because now you don't have to hear me pounding anymore. And I, and I can go back to tapping. So I'm very, very happy. I'm a very happy woman. They surprised me with this this morning. So, or today. Because uh, this ain't, we ain't in the morning anymore. Not even close. It takes us forever to get started. So I'm going to go to my first question. I have some, um, I have some deep ones this today, which I, I don't mind deep ones, um, as long as you don't mind deep ones. But I will try and make them go as, not quickly, but smooth so that it's interesting and it doesn't bore people. Because sometimes deep questions bore the tar out of people because it's not of interest to them. But hey, listen, I listen to a lot of teachings. And I mean, they're hours long. And there's times when the teacher's talking about something that I, I sit there and go, oh my gosh, this is going to be boring. But I end up learning stuff throughout the whole entire thing. And sometimes, even though I think it's boring, I'm able to use it uh, because, you know, some people will come across your path and you'll remember that teaching and you'll be able to say, hey, wait a minute, I know something about that. And then you're able to discuss it with the person. So we're never too old. We're never too busy to learn. So, okay. First question. What does it mean to be still but also walk in faith? That's one question. And then the other part of the question is be still and know that I am God and faith takes action. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you. The second part of that question, I just, I'm not really sure what that means. I think I guessed at that. But um, let's look at Scripture. Um, scripture is uh, very important with this question. So let's address the first one. What does it mean to be still but also walk in faith? And just so you know, I had to pray before this podcast because I told the girls, my brain is so full right now of so many different things. It's full, girls and boys. So hopefully I make sense today. I've had a coffee. I've had my one Red Bull. I'm going to tell you, not a, not a, not a thing is, is hitting the spot. Only Jesus, which I did pray. We all did air Air prayer, where we all air prayed and held hands while Heather was in the bathroom. I'm going to just tell you, this is dang funny. We're all, we all air, haired, air held hands by air, okay? Me, um, me, Tracy, and Talia. So we all in the air put our hands up and prayed together. Not like a sacrifice of praise, but literally we were holding hands in the air. With and that's How do you say that? I'm not saying that right. Well, you were in the bathroom, and at the very end of the prayer, guess who flushed the toilet? <laughs> it was perfect timing. I'm not kidding you. I basically said amen, and you went, flush. We were like, that's perfect timing. Am I saying that right? Air held hands? No. Air? What is that? That's a hot air hugs. Air, 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 air what? 
No, it's not an air prayer. I'm saying it out loud and all of us can hear it. That means everybody's air praying. No, you hold hands in the air, but you're not touching each other's hands. Like an air hug, like COVID, which is stupid. Air hands. I'm just going to say air hands. We were all, nobody cares. I know, but I care. And nobody says that. I, yeah, I know, and nobody cares, but I care about it right now for some reason. This thing, this thing's full. Okay, so we air held hands because obviously I'm a mess right now. I can't function. <laughs> My mind is, we got a lot going on. But that's okay because I'm not raging against the machine. I'm just going with the flow. So, all right, what does it mean to be still but also walk in faith? We're going to hit that part of the question first. But super important because we have to use scripture to answer this question because I don't know of any other way except for my opinion, and my opinion doesn't matter when it comes to this. So Psalm 40, and I think it will actually answer your, whoever wrote this question, I think it will help answer and process the breaking down of your question. But it's not what you think it is. So Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. That's what you're referencing in your question. So we're going to take that scripture that you're referencing and break that scripture down so that you understand what it truly means. And it's not probably like you think it is. So be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen and I will be exalted among the earth. So if you look at what be still means in the Hebrew... This means to stop or say enough kind of thing. And it has an exclamation point after it. So stop has an exclamation point and enough has an exclamation point. So it's either one of those two words it's going to say. Okay, it's, it, that's what the be still means. So it means stop or enough. Okay. It also is to acknowledge. Okay, so when you're being still, you're stopping you're saying enough or it's enough or you're acknowledging. Your question is, what does it mean to be still but also to walk in faith? So to be still is to stop and acknowledge. We'll go with that one, okay? And then it says, I will be exalted in the earth. God's mighty acts in behalf of his people will bring him universal recognition. This was proven to be supremely true of God's climatic saving act in the birth, life, death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ, yet to be brought to complete fruition at his return. So when you're stopping and you're acknowledging, you're stopping and acknowledging all that he did. So he's the supreme being. He sent his son to die on the cross, uh, to um, give life to all of us um, after death. And, um, and resurrection, and then to redeem us from the curse, right? So that's one of the things that you're doing when you're stopping. You, you have to take, like, when you look at that, what does it mean to be still but also walk in faith? So to be still is to take Psalm 46.10, and then you, you can't just use two little words out of that. You have to take the whole verse, understand what that verse means, okay? So it's to stop, acknowledge, and understand who he is and what he's done for you in your life. If you do those things, the second part of your question, or the, the other part of the question, which is what does it mean to be still, but also walk in faith. If you acknowledge who he is and what he's done for you, it's very easy to walk in faith. Okay? What does it mean to be still, but also walk in faith? They coincide. They go together. Does that make sense? Am I like, I know you guys are working, but does that make sense? Because it's not two separate things. They're actually one thing. And that scripture is clarifying that, the, that you walking by faith is your understanding of being still. I hope that, I hope that um, is easy to understand. To me, it's very easy to understand, but maybe studying out that scripture will help you better. Um, now, your second part of the question is, be still and know that I am God and faith takes action. Be still and know that I am God, which is that scripture all over again. 
And then faith, faith takes action. Well, being still and knowing he's God, again, goes back to acknowledging who he is. And I'm hoping I understand the second part of this question because it basically sounds like the first question to me. So are you asking the question in a different way than you originally did, but basically saying the same thing? Because that's what it sounds like to me. And I'm hoping that's what you're trying to do. But to be still and know that he is God, again, is acknowledging Stopping and acknowledging who he is and what he's done. And faith takes action. Well, action, faith is an action. It absolutely is. Um, if you're going to stand and believe for things, that is an action. Uh, you don't just, to believe, it just doesn't happen. Believing is an action. It's a like a, a verb, uh, an adjective. No, a verb. Isn't a verb is an action, correct? It's believe is an action verb. I think uh, verbs are actions. Nouns are people, places, and things. Isn't believe a verb? Yeah, but it, when you look up the word believe, does believe and uh, it's definite, you can look up the word believe. Then it has its definition, but in that it'll tell you whether it's a verb or not. And if I if I'm I am one hundred percent, it's a verb. Yes. So verbs, if believe the word believe is a verb, which means action, that means in order to believe, that means you have faith. Faith is also under the right circumstances a verb, which means an action. So the two coincide together; they work together as a unit. You can't have one without the other. It just so happens that's a great uh, the, the the scripture that or the 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 definition of what you were trying to or the question that you asked how you put it together with the be still but also walk in faith. It's great that you used those words because I was able to use the scripture that you were pulling from and then show how it all goes together. Believe. Belief is a noun. Believe is a verb. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was pretty sure. I'm like, it's an action word. But I couldn't remember. It's been so long since I had to teach my kids. It was so long whether I know noun, person, place, or thing. And then adjective is a descriptive word. Right. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'm so grateful that I don't teach homeschool anymore. But it really did help. Like, in so many ways. It, like when you teach school, like when I went to school, I didn't pay attention. I didn't care. Now, yeah, Heather did not go to class. I did go to class for the most part, um, but I didn't listen. I was usually talking to my friends. Like I had no, no desire to be learning. Now when I had to teach my kids, I had to teach myself all over again what I didn't pay attention to before. And that really helped because I had to relearn everything all over again. So while my kids were learning, this is sad to say and quite scary all at the same time, I was learning, which you would think, not good. Like, you should know it before you teach it. Nah, whatever. Nah. I figure what the heck. Like, there's a lot of good teachers out there, but guys, there's a lot of bad ones out there too. So if they can be teaching, so can I. My kids are okay. They both passed high school. They got they got their diplomas. They both did some college. They hated it. But whatevs. Norma was the worst college college student ever. I don't even know if she may have passed one class. She hated it that much. She only did half of a. Uh, she only did half of a. Yeah, she did one semester. You're right. And beg me, please don't make me go back. College ain't for everybody. She's my artsy fartsy. She's my artsy fartsy girl. Whatever. She's good at what she does, but school ain't it. My mother likes to make fun of her because my mother would have to watch her sometimes if I had to do something. And so my mom would say, okay, bring them over and let them do their school. And my mom would say, Norma got up more than she did learn. She's always like, I'm thirsty. My hands are sweaty. I can't hold this pencil anymore. My hands are sweaty. I need to get up. Nah, she hates it. 
It's not for everybody. Now, Tommy, he did it like he does fighting. He just got in there, got it done, went about his business and outside playing. But, okay, next question. Now, this question is very good. I'm going to tell you. This is a good question, and it relates to a lot of people. And it's not, it's not super deep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass you my phone if I can, please. It's buzzing, and I just don't know if it's somebody important. Okay. Um, so it says, is it okay to watch shows that solve crimes like murder and sexual assault, like Forensic Files, First 48, or Dateline? Have you guys ever thought about this? Horror movies, even? Now, in my house, we've actually talked about this. Because I, my son battled fear. And one of the reasons he battled fear is because we watched Forensic Files, First 48, and Dateline. <laughs> we had no idea. But he ended up being very fearful. And one of the things was, as he said, like hearing those, hearing those crimes and stuff like that. He slept in my bed for quite some time. Right between me and Tom. It was not good. I will tell you, I think some people are predisposed to uh, being naturally afraid. And you really got to make sure that what you, like what you take in, is it healthy? Is it good for you? On the whole, though, I don't think these shows are good for anybody at all to watch. Because even if, like for me, I never, and they never really bothered me to really to speak of until I started having, I never had nightmares. I don't watch horror movies at all. I don't watch horror movies because of the demonic and the evil parts of them. I, I will not participate in that. Now, there are some people that it doesn't even affect them. But I sit there and go, you say it doesn't affect you, but uh, I would do some strong self-examination to really make sure that it does not. Because that's what happened with me. And I'll tell you how I found out. But I think that cause fear, doubt, and unbelief. Those, sh those shows can cause fear, doubt, and unbelief. And it may start in only one little pocket, but it trickles into others. Because if you open the door, just a crack, your ba bad decision will allow evil to open the door even more. So we're to guard our hearts all times. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. If you put something in there, something's going to spring up. It can be life or death. Okay? And you have to be very, very careful the seeds that you plant. They will come up and they will grow until you uproot them and get them out. I, like I said, I'm not, I, I didn't think I was susceptible um, to this, but I will tell you that over a period of time, I found out that I was. First of all, when my son started being scared um, by them, and even if they, he was in bed and he heard them, um, it scared him. So what we did is we stopped watching them. And uh, then that really played a huge part in him not being scared. Besides, we prayed heavily we spoke about not being fearful, teaching him the different scriptures that talk about him, trying to weed it out. Um, because certain people are predisposed to just being a worry person, a fearful person, OCD-ish kinds of things like that. So for him, fear was fear was very much a, played a part in that. Um, because I'm not a fearful person, I felt like I could watch them and it would do absolutely nothing to me. But I found out that's not true. And one of the ways that I found out is because my imagination. I found myself that I would be so bothered. There is one story that I still remember hearing. And it was, um, it was on like not, I think it was like on that show Frontline or something like that. It wasn't Dateline. I don't remember what it was. But it was one of those shows that they... It wasn't Forensic Files, but it was like one of those shows that they show in the evening. And it was uh, 
a story where it was about a woman that had been taken captive by this very violent man and he had kept her in his basement, right? And um, she was a prostitute. So they, what he did is he videoed his torture and things like that. Well, they daggum showed that on the show. I have never been able to get that out of my mind. And it's like, even though I don't know that woman, what she endured and stuff like that is has penetrated my heart. What happened with that is fear was placed. Fear was placed in my heart. And it wasn't necessarily for me. It was for loved ones. And what if something like that? And I pray Psalm 91. I, but here's the thing. I don't worry about that now. What happened was is I found myself because I let my imagination go to a place it never should have gone. And it never would have if I hadn't watched that show. What happened is, is I started to be concerned about different family members, if they went somewhere, if they did something, if harm could happen to them. It could be a car accident. It could be abduction. It could be whatever. I I mean, it didn't matter anymore because I opened a door to fear that never should have been there based on thinking that I'm not susceptible to it because up to that point, I really hadn't been, but it just took the right story the right visual, the right everything to, to totally change all of that for me. So it really proved to me, you even though you think you're stronger than what you really are, you're not as strong as you think you are. Um, and then you have to, it's really easy if you never go there to never think. It's like people who... It's like uh, my daughter said uh, when she went to Africa, uh, one of the things that she loves so much about those people, she loves those people over there. She said one of the things she loves so much about them is they have absolutely nothing and they are the the happiest people. They are very happy people. Well, here I will say that about this. If you never watch something, you don't know what you're missing. Like they don't know what they're missing because... They've never experienced going to the mall, just getting, going to Starbucks and getting a coffee, then just, uh, you know, window shopping or whatever, or going in and just buying whatever they want, however they want. We're very rich in America. We can do whatever we want, basically. We have cars to get into that are very nice cars and music that plays. I mean, if you go to where she went and you brought them to your house and they lived in your home for one week, they would feel like they've lived like a king for one week. And you pout, moan, and groan, not you particularly, we as Americans pout, moan, and groan if our internet goes down or if things don't go just the way we we want them to, then the world's coming to an end. These people would love to have that problem. Uh, Living like we do would be like living like a king Uh, for a week and so if you don't see it then you don't know what you're missing so you don't know to fear that you don't know to worry about that so if you never watch those shows that that fear and all that other stuff that you may be planting in your heart and mind uh, and you may not think it's doing anything eventually it might so if you don't open that door you don't know you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Luke 10, 19. And so the thing is, is what I'm trying to say with that is um, once the seed is planted, uprooting it is not always the easiest thing to do. I mean, you have to train your, train your mind every time it wants to go there. I'm not thinking on that. Take captive of every thought. I'm not going there. That is not going to be something that I ponder on. The imagination is, we are warned against our imagination and all the Bible. It, it only has one place in the Bible that's not really a warning against it, but it isn't really that positive either. So we're warned against our imagination because of the places that it can go and the depths that it can take us. And uh, it's very dangerous. So Luke ten nineteen says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to come o- overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So you, what you have to do is... Realize who you are in Christ and then retrain yourself to know, which I did. 
I'm like, I don't worry about those stuff. I don't speak, even if something, like you would say, well, you let your daughter go over there. Weren't you scared? Weren't you worried? Weren't you afraid? Well, I'd be lying if I said, because they went to a very dangerous place. I'd be lying if I said to you, I never, I never thought about it. It didn't, wasn't a blip on the screen. I'd be lying if I said that. But I knew God told her to go. So if God told her to go, then he was going to keep her safe. I had nothing to worry about. Even if he didn't tell her to go, and but didn't warn her, because sometimes you'll, you know, I've heard of people say that they were going to go and travel, and then the Holy Spirit warned them not to go, so they didn't get on the plane, and the plane ended up going down. Okay. I'm saying, because that's Psalm 91. He'll protect you. I'm saying to you, if she didn't have anything like that, and she felt like she wanted to go, it was something that she really longed to do. Maybe God didn't tell her to go, but it's something she really wanted to do. Because we don't have to pray about everything. You go to the mall. You don't pray about whether it's safe to go to the mall or God's calling you to go to the mall. You just go to the mall. So for me, like, I just think, well, this is a no-brainer. I've prayed a hedge of protection around her. No harm will come to her. She's safe. She's okay. If you watch those shows, though, what you have to learn to do is get into the scriptures and then retrain your mind. And every time those thoughts come against you, then you have to use the scripture. Now, I just, I don't have to do that. When anything um, came against me with her was going to um, South Africa, I just basically said, I know God. I know you have her. I know what your word says. I know what I've prayed. I know what her dad and I stand on. I know what she stands on. She's good. She'll be all right. She, there, no, nothing's going to happen to her. She will be totally fine. Um, but before that, and when I had allowed that door to open, I would have had to open up the scriptures and I would have had to remind myself and I would have had to keep reaffirming what the word says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I would have had increased my faith that I was lacking in through the word. Always do that. If you... Um, if you think you can do it on your own, you are sorely mistaken. The only way you will get your faith to increase, we've all been given a measure of faith. That's what the word says. We don't all use the measure we've been given. So you have to increase the measure by getting in the word, studying it out, and that's how that happens. So Psalm 91, let's look at it. Uh, we're not going to read all of Psalm 91. We're just going to go to Psalm 91, 10 through 11. So what I'm going to tell you is if you um, or like how I was, or um, maybe you don't deal with fear, um, but um, maybe you will someday in the future, which I hope that's not the case. But we again, sometimes we're stupid, and we do stupid things, and we allow fear to come in. So we have to do the wise thing and get in the Word. I would tell you, use these two scriptures. There's plenty of them in the Bible. But Psalm 91, 10 through 11 says, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I don't know if people understand. You have, an, you have angels. God has given all of us. He, is, he has certain, everybody has angels that have been, um, What's it when something is a sign? I love you. See, I just did that, and normally if I did that, like your ears would thump. But you're not going to hear that. You're not hearing that. No, God is so good. He has assigned angels to us to protect us and watch over us. There's this great picture. I just sent it to a sweet girl uh, a few weeks ago, um, she was battling sleeping by herself. Um, uh, she was living in a house, uh, a house by herself, and she's starting to to be fearful of it. And so I sent her this picture, and I'll have um, Tracy put post it. But it's of an angel. It's a huge angel sleeping next to. And I had this in my son's room for the longest time. It's this little boy laying in his bed on his side. And it's this huge angel standing guard over him. And truthfully, that's how it is. We have so much faith in the devil and what his capabilities are against us. What we don't understand is who, who stands before us, who goes before us, who is protecting us. That is far more real 
than what we allow our thoughts to go as far as the devil and what he can do against us. It's like, um, I believe it was Elijah or was Elisha. I can't remember which one it is. But uh, when he tells his servant, because uh, the enemy was coming against him, uh, there was um, troops that were coming against them, arm, army coming against him. And uh, so what he told his, um, he told his servant, he said to the Lord, he goes, open his eyes. And so because Elijah or Elisha, I can't remember. It's Elijah. Yeah. Elisha. That's Elisha. He, Elisha said to his servant, he said, there are more that be with us than be with them. Because he could see in the heavens all the angels that were going before them to fight this army. The army was never going to touch them. But the servant didn't realize it. That's us. We don't realize it because we don't walk in the spiritual realm. Elisha did. He could see because he knew who he was in Christ, or excuse me, in God. So he understood the spirit realm. If we would spend more time in the world, we would understand the, the spirit realm. So when Elisha said that, he asked the Lord, he's like, open his eyes and his eyes were open and then he could see and he was no longer scared of the very thing that he thought was going to harm them he realized nobody's touching us nobody's going to do anything to me um, because god's on my side that's how it is for us uh so I'll have her post that picture because it's, I often um, think of that picture too when I hear people being afraid or even if I ever like have moments of like worry or concern or whatever. Everybody's real. Everybody's, every, nobody's got it going on all the time. It's how quickly we stop our thoughts. You know, that's how, sh that's how you'll really know what you got it going on is how quickly you don't go down that rabbit hole. Um, so, um, God's there for us. God's got gotcha. you. But don't watch that stuff. Um, horror movies are, in my opinion, are not good. You open yourself up to the demonic, depending on what kind it is. My kids used to have their friends over, and they used to be, um, they would all hang out in one of the bedrooms. They all sit on the bed, eat popcorn, candy, and soda, and watch these horror movies. And all of them swore up and down that it didn't bother them. It didn't affect them. And then one day, my daughter was like, I can't go to sleep. She was so scared. And she's like, I can't watch those things anymore. I, they do bother me. See, eventually, it could happen. And then she had to work through all of that and not be a fearful person anymore. Don't even open the door. It's like pornography. Don't ever look at it. And then you'll never have to even worry about an addiction process problem because my husband said once you see it once you fight it men but women see this is where I disagree with Tom Tom says that it's all men that men do it more than women I don't know about that statistics are showing completely opposite of that the depravity women are can be just as perverse as men I mean listen I know there's locker room talk with men but gum. I mean, back in the day, me, I think I was worse than any guy that I knew talking about anything. My girlfriends and I, like, they were bad what they talked about when it came to men. I mean, I mean, I would just remember my mouth. My mouth was horrible. A sa sailor would love to have had my mouth. And I talked so much worse than any guy that I knew. It was terrible. But my girlfriends, when they were talking about bedroom stuff, they were pretty, it was pretty rough. Like, I can't imagine a, a locker room being worse than that. It's rough. I felt bad for the guys. Not very often did I feel like they did a bang-up job. It's pretty rough. Girls are rough. Girls are rough. Poor Talia. Sorry, Tal. Uh, let's see. So, I would say stay away from the, stay away from any movies that talk about anything that harm comes to anybody and trying to work it out. Like any of those. Can you think of any of that? Like CSI. I wouldn't even watch those because some of them are based on true stories and stuff like that. But I'd be very careful. 
it's like reading books that are sexually explicit, things like that. You got to be very careful about that because even that's horrible for the imagination. It can destroy marriages because people start thinking when they read there's these Harlequin novels or Harlequin isn't even around anymore. Uh, when they watch, I don't know what kind of, what kind of books are there? She's laughing at me. There's some bad books out there. Yeah, there's some bad books. What's that great? What is that? No. Fifty Shades of Grey. What? Oh, my gosh. That was so popular. What is a Christian watching? No, reading Fifty Shades of Grey, let alone watching Fifty Shades of Grey. And you see, but what happens with that is you read that nonsense, you start acting out that nonsense, and then when it doesn't, isn't like what it is in the book, you become dissatisfied. That's the reason why, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, uh, it's not that I'm not, I don't think Hallmark is bad. I actually, well, now it's getting so woke, it's bad. But there's a lot of these, back in, back in the day, up until recently, like Hallmark and Lifetime, all these love stories that were very pure, there's no cussing. There's no, uh, there's not really any kissing to speak of, except for at the very end when they get together. The problem with those shows, though, is a lot of women watch them, and a lot of women want what they're seeing. There's always a good-looking guy. The girl's not always that great-looking. So, so then it gives us ugly girls hope. But I got a hot husband, so I'm not really that worried about it. But I'm just saying, if you feel like you married beneath what you deserve you might not have you might want to look at the mirror you might be equally yoked you might be equal but you're not satisfied so you're looking at all these guys on hallmark and lifetime and you're going wishing you had that or your husband's like his muscles have now gone to fat down here and you're sitting there going that's just not a turn on for me the problem is is now you're looking at a guy you have no business looking at it, even though you're not seeing nakedness to speak of. Like, he may just have a shirt off or, or a tight T-shirt or whatever. Your husband doesn't look like that, and now you're, like, wishing your husband looked like that. And I mean, it just opens the door to... Some people are not susceptible to that, but if you don't have a great marriage and you're not getting the, uh, the self... Like, um, let me see. Like, I don't need a lot of affirmation... But I don't know if I don't need a lot of affirmation because I get Tom tells me all the time, like, man, you look hot in that or you look great. Almost every time I walk out or if I'm walking out to go out somewhere, he's like, dang, you look good. So for me, I don't like my cup is full. What if your cup's not full and you see that on Hallmark and Lifetime all the time? How does that flow into wishing you had somebody? So now a guy pays attention to you at work. And he's giving you all the compliments that you're not getting at home. And that opens a door to flirting. That opens a door to, because, listen, a lot of guys have affairs. Adultery isn't done by two men. It's a man and a woman normally. So my thing is, is, like, how healthy are these shows? Soap operas are dangerous. It's, it's, Hallmark is a soap opera to me that just has an end. <laughs> except for because even in a soap opera you know what's going to happen soap operas aren't they're not reinventing anything it's just somebody else dead brain's been fried car accident killed them or now they're bringing them back to life they use somebody else's brain and put it in that person's body to keep them going now they're that person but in their but in the other person's body I mean they got the wackiest things going on these soap operas but people watch them. But people watch Hallmark too. And I don't understand it. It's all B, C rated actors. Terrible. <laughs> Talia just whispers, so good. <laughs> I beg to differ. But I'm just saying, you got to be really careful. If you are not satisfied in your relationship with your spouse, don't be watching Hallmark. Don't be wa reading these romance novels. They are dangerous for you because you'll let your imagination going, why isn't my husband like this? Why doesn't he say this to me? Why, does I, why don't I get treated like this? You'll either look for it elsewhere where, or you'll become more resentful in the relationship. And then you wonder people why people wonder why they're divorced. 
we've grown apart. Well, you played a part in that growing apart because you're looking and doing things you probably shouldn't have. Instead of getting in the word and doing, figuring out what the word says on how you should be to how to, and how to keep the relationship strong or doing your part to keep it t- together. Dying to yourself. Not being carnal. I think I'm done on that topic. That went from horror, scary, to love triangles. And people dying in car accidents and their brains being replaced with somebody else's. Is that even possible? But they do it. They do it. Hey, it's make-believe. That's what everybody needs to remember. It's all make-believe. I mean, I, have a, I, I think I have one of the best marriages. Heather's got a really good marriage, so does Tracy, right? Uh, I think Heather and Travis have the closest one to like me and Tom that I know of. And both of us are very strong-willed. Heather and I are both strong-willed. And Travis is not anything like Tom as far as being like... uh, Travis is very chill. But you don't cross him. (laughs) You don't cross Travis. So he'll stand up for himself. But he's very diplomatic. Very diplomatic in how he handles. Tom, is, Tom will say things like on the stage, or like he says it this way, or he doesn't. He doesn't say it like that. I mean, in his mind, he's saying it like that, but in all actuality, that's not how he says it. I mean, he's very, very gentle and kind and self-deprecating when he's giving correction, and that's where he's very much like Travis, you know. So I think that helps with being married to two strong-willed people. But I, even in, like, uh, our marriages, I would say all of us would say nobody's marriage is perfect. We all are trying to continuously better our marriages, but we wouldn't sit there and do anything that or watch anything that might bring harm to our relationships because even we know that as close, I mean, as close as we are and as great as they are, I'm not allowing one ounce of anything in there because it's not, it's not, I'm still very carnal. I'm not perfect. So I'm not going to do anything that causes any harm to that relationship. People need to look at it. Even if your marriage isn't as great as you want it to be, and mine's pretty great. I mean, it's pretty great. I still won't do things to open any doors. And if yours isn't, definitely don't do that because you need to like, be going in the direction where you guys are a united front. You're you're a boulder. Then in order to to destroy your relationship, you need to take a stick of dynamite, dynamite, many sticks of dynamite to blow the boulder up, right? A lot of people, all it would take is a BB gun shooting it, and it's gone. You know, it's not good. So let's go to the next question. I have tried and tried to understand this, but am so confused. It has to do with circumcision. I am reading Paul's books. I'm, ex- um, I'm believing that you're reading the New Testament when you say you're reading Paul's books because um, he wrote most of the New Testament. And it, talked, um, and it is talked about a lot. It is used as physical and spiritual circumcision. Please go deep into explaining this to me. So what I think, I think the scriptures that... I might be able to answer your question, excuse me, your question with so that we don't look at a whole lot of scripture, but I think I might be able to answer your question or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to go real deep, but I'm going to go deep enough that I think this helps you is let's look at Romans 2, 25 through 29. And it says for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Are you guys confused? It's like his, I do the things that I do not want to do. It's a lot of I do's. This is kind of like this. Paul did say he did not come with wise and persuasive words, but with the Spirit's power. I think this this three these uh, four four verses would would be um, 
proving that. <laughs> but now I see why you're confused. I do see why you're confused. But you have to break things down. And you have to like dig into scripture. Okay, so let's keep going. And it says, I will not and will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even you, who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he who, be it he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Do you see why I stayed up till two in the clock, two o'clock in the morning? Girls, do you see why I stayed up till two in the morning? Just two of the questions, which I normally get the questions done sooner, but I started working on them on Saturday and flowed into Sunday because last week was busy very busy we did we had some exciting things going on this weekend for the church so so let's go back to the question real quick and i'm not going to read the whole thing well i can i have tried and tried to understand this but i'm so confused it has to do with circumcision i'm reading paul's books and it talked it's talked about a lot it is used as physical and spiritual circumcision okay this right here romans 2 25 and 29 talk about the physical and the spiritual. That's the reason why I'm using this as an example, as scripture, in one little concise area. I could have probably found it in many different places and pulled different scriptures from different places, but we're going to use this one because it's so concise. So I'm hoping that through this, I can answer your question. In order to do that, Let's go to the very first two. We're going to break it down as quickly as I possibly can. Okay. So the first two, I said the first two that I want to know, first three, no two. So we're going to do 25 through 27, which is legitimately three verses. It says, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who are even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor, transgressor of the law? Okay, so let's look at circumcision first circumcision was there are many nationalities there was egyptians there was there's there's asians there were all in the east there were other countries and other types of believers okay that walked the earth the israelites were the jewish people they were the ones that were required for circumcision uh, if you looked at Rome, Rome had gods, many gods that they worshipped. Egypt or Egyptians, same. So, and if you look at other countries, even like Asia, I mean, Paul went to Asia, Asia Minor, right? So all of those countries, they're Gentiles, right? But the only people that were supposed to be circumcised from the Old Testament under the law were Jewish people, Jewish men, right? Male children on the eighth day were to be circumcised. And if you look into it, it's very um, crazy, and I'm not going to go in depth with it, but the reason God made it specifically on the eighth day, because on the eighth day of a male child, or I I don't know if if it was females too, but on the eighth day of a male child, the blood clotting, was at its prime, believe it or not. So on the eighth day, you were to uh, circumcise your, your son because that eighth day, specifically um, where that child was uh, medically, physically speaking, would cl- cause that body to blood clot quicker and heal p- the healing process when you blood clot quickly, you heal quickly, right? So the quicker you clot, the quicker you heal, 
okay? So that has nothing to do with it, but there is something specific about the eighth day, and that's the only reason I say that. Okay, but it has nothing to do with the circumcision question that you're asking. So, but I just wanted to touch on that. So, because it's an interesting fact. It is. So, um, which I knew that from a long time ago. So I didn't just recently learn that, but whatever. So, so Jewish men on the eighth day of their born, of being born, they were to get circumcised. That was the law. Okay. And it was a sign of entering into the Abrahamic covenant. Okay. We as Gentiles are grafted in into the Abrahamic covenant. But Jewish people, they are born into the Abrahamic covenant. This was a significant sign of being entering into that covenant. Um, if a circumcised male did not follow God's commandments and law, the circumcision had no benefit. And that is what those three verses are saying. And significant to the last little part that I read, 27 specifically says that, which is, and will not physically uncircumcised if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, are transgressors of the law. So if, let's look at 28 through 29. It says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Very confusing to a certain extent. What he's talking about in the flesh and not in the flesh, okay, one outwardly, which is one who is, um, who, it says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, meaning in the physical sense, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. So for the Gentile, who is not one outwardly, but for the Jew who is one inwardly in the flesh. But if you don't abide by the law, what Paul is saying is you can be circumcised, you can be a circumcised Jew, but if you're not abiding by the law, you're a transgressor. Versus the, the Gentile who is one in the spirit, but not outwardly. They abide by the, the, the law, meaning the Torah. They live the Torah, but they don't have the outward circumcision of the flesh. That's what he's talking about, okay? So Gentiles weren't circumcised, but if they followed the law, their circumcision occurred in their hearts. And that's what it's talking about in the 29th. But he who is a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. So they may not have done the physical uh, circumcision, but their hearts, their hearts were ones that acted more than the Jewish um the Jewish culture who actually on the eighth day were physically circumcised. Um, so what he's saying to people is even though circumcision was a sign of entering into the Abrahamic covenant for the Jewish male at the eighth day of being born, that Gentiles, through the new covenant, can enter into that same covenant, of the Abrahamic covenant, without being physically circumcised, based by the human heart. It goes with the scripture, where your heart is, um, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Isn't that what it says? Where your heart... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But where your where your treasure is, your heart will follow, or your heart will. I, I hate when I'm because if I'm not on the spot, I can just do them. But when I am on the spot, sometimes where I. Where your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Where your treasure. Matthew six twenty. Where your where your treasure is, it's not your thoughts though. It's where your treasure. It's might be because it's amplified. Yeah. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. No, where your treasure is. 
It's King. It's the. I'm doing the New King James version, I believe. Can you get the um, New King James um, for me? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um. So what he's saying, because what happened is the Jewish people. Not that I don't think that um, it depended on where you were at, but the Jewish people didn't really want the Gentiles into the fold. And basically they're saying, unless you do live by the law and unless you get circumcised, you're not going to be entering into this Abrahamic covenant. And what Paul was saying is, no, no, no. If they follow the Bible more than the man that is circumcised, aren't they more of a believer and a follower of the word than the man that just was circumcised? It's ridiculous. He was just basically saying, this is ridiculous. Circumcision doesn't make you any more of a Christian than not being circumcised makes you a Christian. It's a matter of the heart. It's like we hear a lot of people, I always say this, there's a lot of people who um, talk a good talk they always have the right Sunday school answer to provide. They'll always give you the answer. It's Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It should say also at the end of it, correct? Yeah. yeah. Is that the New King James Version? Yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to think of I'm like, I know it's the New King James Version. Um, so, and that's what he's, he's basically using that scripture is, uh, and, and I believe Jesus said that in Matthew. So, um, so, He's using what what Jesus had spoken to validate this circumcision. It's your spirit man going with the law. Your spirit man. It's your carnal nature versus your spirit man kind of thing. Um, so circumcision um, is Old Testament, and that's where they were at. Everybody was living under the law. And what Paul was saying is say is saying, well, okay, there's something to be said for the law, but when Jesus Christ came and he died on that cross, the New Testament, the new the new covenant that we are under is not the old covenant. The old covenant is a bunch of rules and regulations and laws. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he tore the veil. We have access to everything. You don't have to abide by all these rules and regulations. If you sin, you're not gonna you're not gonna have to sacrifice an animal anymore. There aren't all of these rules of of sacrificial things that you have to do. If if you um, sin, go to go to go to the go to God. You don't have to sacrifice an animal more. You don't have to be circumcised anymore uh, to be a believer. Um, you just have to. Um, follow the guidelines and live under the, the you know, um, under the, I, I hate using the word rule because every time you use the rule, rule, people are like, are rebellious in their hearts. But there are guidelines and boundaries that God has provided for us to keep us safe. And it's basically, if you follow these guidelines and boundaries, then, and your hearts to go after them, circumcision is unnecessary. A circumcision is not going to be what uh, what saves you or or makes you be a, uh, a going to heaven or makes you be saved or makes you um, correct. That's gone. New covenant is it's a matter of the heart. Gentiles are as much um, grafted in or as much a follower of Jesus Christ as the Jewish person who is circumcised. I am so I, that is so confusing, and I know it's so confusing for people. And I'm not explaining it that well. No, so, you, point I am getting the point across because because it is somewhat confusing that it is, but it's not truthfully because basically what it boils down to is where is your heart? It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. We don't follow the law anymore. It doesn't mean that the law is null and void. Now we just have something that is better. That, so you follow the Ten Commandments, but now there's grace. So no sacrifice has to be made. The sacrifice has been given. Now you just go to the Father. All right. I feel like a weight is off of me.
Oh, Tracy's such a cheerleader. You know what she just did? She's, you did great. So, um, I was just about to tell you about Mother's Day, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna wait about that. I mean, I'm gonna wait for that week because I'm really excited. Mother's Day is still like a month away. Well, it's a month and a half away. It's actually almost two months away, right where we're at. But I'm excited about what we have going on that week as far as like uh, our um, our podcasts. Uh, so I think I'm done. My coffee is done. My Red Bull is is my timer is gone. Right, my Red Bull is no longer in me, and I don't get another one for the rest of the day. So, water it is. I'm not happy about that, but that's the way life is. That's the way it is. Okay, so. This podcast is one for the books. I'm not really impressed with it, I'll be honest with you. I like your questions. I don't know if I necessarily like my answers. So, But on that note, let's go to the most important thing of all, because really the most important question that I can ask you is, are you saved? If you were to die right now, do you know where you would go? Because ultimately, that's the most important thing. I mean, we can walk through this life and we can have the best of the best and we can go on the biggest trips and we can have the most kids whatever whatever we think we can marry and and thinking that getting married will make me the happiest person on the earth um heather laughs um because there's so many people that think once i do this or once i get that i'll be happy sorry charlie it ain't happening oh brinley you want to come over here? Come over here, girlies. I'm going to show you. Tootie, you want to come over here? Aw. These are the little ones that run through run through the um. This is like my baby girl. This is my grandbaby. This is my sweet girl, too. This is Tootie. This is Tracy's little girl. This is our brand. This is Heather's. These are my girls. Now, these are the girls that run in and out of here during the podcasts. Right? Are you homeschooled? Are you smart? Yes. Are your mother smart? Yes. Tootie, did you, what Tootie did you, face did you make Tootie? Is she rather smart? A little? Oh, you're laughing because I said no? Mm. You guys are great liars. I love you. So, uh, you want to stay with me while I do this? Yes. Okay, we'll do the sinner's prayer together with people. So, are both of you saved? Did you ask Jesus into your heart? Mm-hmm. Did you ask, I know you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know you get to go to heaven, Right? Right? Are you guys excited about going to heaven? Yes. You ain't going anytime soon. (laughs) We got a long ways to go before that, right? Yeah. Okay. But both of you knew that you needed to ask Jesus into your heart. Do you know that there's adults that still haven't done that? That's crazy. Get over here, girl. Don't run from me. Is that crazy that there are adults out there that have not ever asked Jesus into their heart? Yeah. Should they be afraid? No. They should be afraid. Because if they died today, you know where they're going? To hell. Oh, where are they going, girl? To hell. That's right. They're going to hell. They should not want that, right? We want them to go to heaven, right? Yeah. Yeah. We want them to go to heaven. So if they die tomorrow and they ask Jesus into the heart, where do they go? To heaven. To heaven. Do you have friends that you witness to? And you do. Well, let me say it like this. Do you have friends that you talk about Jesus to that -hmm. aren't saved? I gave my friend a Bible for Christmas. You gave your friend a Bible for Christmas. How many adults haven't ever done that? Very good. And she doesn't really know Jesus. And she doesn't know Jesus. Are you going to make sure she does? Yes. Uh-huh. I know you will, girl. Have you invited her to church? Uh-huh. You, you know what? I don't high-five. <laughs> but I'm going to high-five you, girl. <laughs> yeah, don't ever tell Pastor Tom that I high-fived you. <laughs> He'll try and make me high-five him. Yeah. I do not high-five him. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I, just try. Just no, try. no. You would say that. Yeah, you would. I'm I'll not doing. Make it. him. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. He wants to. I'm not doing it. I'm not high fiving him, sweetie. Uh, I refuse. I know I'll you make love. You. I'll make you. I know you love him, but this ain't happening. Not happening. I'm. I'll high five. No, I'm not doing to it. To do it. No. Okay. Let's pray for people. Okay. 
So if you're not saved, we're going to say it together, right? All right. So we'll put our hands together. So if you haven't said the sinner's prayer, and if you haven't given your heart to the Lord, or maybe you have given your heart to the Lord, Jesus wants you back, doesn't he? Jesus wants them back. So we are going to pray together, and we hope that you pray with us, that seriously, we're, we're laughing a little bit, but it's serious business, right? We want you to go to heaven, and if you don't know him, today's your day. So we're going to pray together, right? Dear Heavenly Father, say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. And we ask you to be the Lord of our life. And that we would change our ways. And that we would live for you. And we will die and go into heaven. And we will die and go to heaven. And be with you forever. And be with you forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we said it, and we're hoping you said it, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And that someday, when we go to heaven, we will be all together. Mm -hmm. Some of us are going to get there sooner than others. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'll be going before you two. <laughs> yeah. Correct? Ah. <laughs> Not for a really long time, though. All right. We love you, see ya, and thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Real talk.